What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to a world where anything's possible and where an addict has the freedom to discover that he or she no longer has to be tied to their addictions. Why are you here? What are you looking for? There are plenty of things harder than quitting smoking, quitting drinking, or quitting drugs. Are you ready to be reborn? Are you ready to be analyzed? Welcome to another edition of Addicted Analysis with your host, Mr. IMAX. Let's get ready to analyze. Live. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the dark side of the moon. And I'm still trying to get used to that little talk shoe sound. <laughs> kind of strange, isn't it, April? Yeah, it is a little. <laughs> and basically, we're joined tonight with April AC, as many of you know her, and um, helped a lot of people over on QuitNet, and basically helped a lot of people quit smoking. Just an all-around great person, and it's my pleasure to speak with her this evening. How are you doing tonight, April? I'm doing good. Glad to hear it. So, basically, the reason I wanted to talk to you, um, wanted to just, you know, get your ideas as far as, you know, quitting smoking and how it worked for you and, you know, just pretty much where it all began. How did how did you start smoking? Um, well, I was pretty much, uh, when I was younger, Little Miss Goody Two-Shoes. No. And yeah, I was uh, I was a really good kid up until about the age of 13, when uh, we moved from the city out to the country, and there was absolutely nothing to do out there. And I met a couple of rebels, and we decided to to have a smoke one day out behind a barn of all places, and that's where it started. I remember hating it, but I kept that pack of cigarettes hidden out there, and from there it just got more and more each day. Isn't that what we all did? We all hated yeah. that first one. Yeah, but you did it anyway because everybody kept telling you to do it. It was a cool thing to do. And how old were it. you when you started? Uh, Thirteen. I remember Youngster. going to school in the mornings, and we actually could uh, – we had a bus driver who would stop at the store for us <laughs> to get us uh, sodas or whatever to take to school. This was in uh, middle school, and instead of you know, getting the sodas, we would go in and spend our lunch money on cigarettes. <laughs> And it was not a problem buying them at 13 years old? No, not a problem at all. Remember how much they cost back then? Oh, God, they were under a dollar. 
from what I remember. I remember they were 65 cheap. cents. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the bagel store up the corner from me you used to go and you have those old machines where you pull out. Right. And they'd fall <laughs> down, and basically uh, that's where I remember mine. God, that was a long time ago. Yeah, right. Um, so you were 13, and on the way to school you'd smoke. Yep. You ever take and, lunch uh, breaks for it? Uh, yeah, we, we well in middle school we weren't really supposed to smoke. There was we weren't allowed to do that on the uh, on the grounds. Um, but court we did anyway. We'd go hide behind the bushes and do it, and you know whatever. Once we got into high school, um, we had the smoking area, the designated area, which you know we were allowed to do then. Can't do now, but we were allowed to do it at that time in between changing classes. So you actually had a smoking area too. Yeah, yeah. In the high school, we did. Like we had uh, one designated bit. smoking area. Yeah. So funny because it seemed like, like I said, you know, all schools seem to have them. Mhm. What were I they remember thinking? being able to smoke in the hospital when I had my daughter. Really? Yeah. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> okay. So high school, basically, you know, you just you continued smoking. Mhm. Enjoy I, uh, it. Uh, I did actually. <laughs> I did. I um I got into smoking first and uh didn't really do a whole lot of other things until um uh I guess it was end of ninth grade. I um I met um who is my daughter's father and um started experimenting with drugs as well as smoking. So um that's when everything kind of got worse at that point, but yeah, I did enjoy it. It was it was a time of my life where I thought everything was cool, and yeah, you had to be in with the cool people, or you know, so we thought. Nowadays, it's the opposite, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you did basically think, you know, like you said, you enjoyed it. You enjoyed mm -hmm. the high school years, basically, you know, being with the cool kids and all that. I hated the high school years. No, I I didn't like high school at all. <laughs> what you enjoyed? I, I like. I liked the smoking, and I went to school and pretty much spent my money on uh, whatever I could get a hold of in school, my lunch money. I never ate lunch at school. I would spend it on you know, speed or whatever, whatever I could use, and I would do it during school hours and, you know, skip classes and all that. I didn't really do a whole lot of actual schoolwork in high school. Really? kind of lost my way. <laughs> I, I think that's partly because uh, my parents were really, really strict on me when I was younger, and I hit that age where I just wanted to rebel against everything. So, well, I know for me, you know, back then, you know, it was, you know, my parents were never around. How about mm -hmm. you? Oh, my parents were always there. My mom was. She didn't work. Um, my father worked. Um, I'd say 12 to 14 hour days. He was a uh, used car uh, manager, and he was always working. So my mom was always there after school. My dad, we went to private schools when we were younger. Um, when we moved out to the country, we went to public schools. That's when everything changed. And you and, say um, we, what, brothers and sisters? Yeah, two, well, I had two brothers that I lived with. Um, and they, they were they were pretty much goody-goodies, so they didn't really do anything at the did time they anyway. Um, they did not, not at the time. My younger brother started smoking right after I did. Um just for the same reasons. We kind of started hanging out with the same crowd. My older brother didn't start smoking until much, much later in life. So you you yeah. and your brother, one of your brothers, basically, so you were smoking together. Yeah, we it's did. It's always we, easier that way, isn't it? Right. We would go out behind the barn together and smoke with the, the couple of kids that were 
in the country where we lived, everything was all the houses were spread like a mile and a half apart. Yeah, that's how it was. It was bad out there. I mean, it was really, really country area. Tobacco farms next door, and that's that's what it was. Yeah. You know, like the people that you know, your loved ones, your friends, family, would they think you were smoking? Did they know, or was it hidden? <laughs> well, I thought nobody knew. Um, I used to, when I first started smoking, I would smoke in my room, and I would open one window, not realizing that. The other windows in the house was open, and I was blowing the smoke out one window, and it was coming in another window in the house. So I got found out pretty easily. So my mom let me smoke. She was okay with it. My father actually bought me the cigarettes and said, you can smoke them, just don't do it in front of me. So it was a really odd situation. Uh, you know, yeah, they, but they both knew. Right, they knew. They figured, you know, if she's going to do it, we'll support it, and, and rather than her sneak behind our back and do it, we'll just let her do it here. So which, you know, I thought at the time was cool. I wish they would have told me not to do it, but, you know. If they, they had told well. you not to do it, would you have not done it? Uh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I say that is because I was told, I don't know how many times by my parents, you know, you know, don't smoke, but you're, they're sitting there telling you while they're smoking. Right, exactly. You know? they did, yeah, mine did the same thing, you know. I remember sitting in restaurants with my parents when I was younger and, and watching them smoke and, They'd be smoking while they were eating, and I'd be waving my hand in front of my my face and coughing and saying, I'll never do this. It's disgusting. I wish you guys would not smoke. And then, you know, here I am at 13 smoking cigarettes. So, you know, I remember those days very vividly. Remember those days, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, when was the first time you thought about actually quitting? Um. You know, I was kind of pushed into it the first time I quit. Um, I was with a guy uh, who I'd been with for about, I guess at that time it had been about nine or ten years, and he decided to quit smoking. And I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was ready. I didn't want to quit, but I decided to go ahead and try it anyway. And I guess it was around 1998, somewhere around there, and it was, it was awful. I absolutely hated it. I was a total bitch. I was just nasty to everybody. You know, I felt like I wanted to pick a fight with everybody because I didn't really want to quit. And then once I was past the initial couple of weeks, I was okay. So it took and a couple then, of weeks to get over that initial shock to your system? Yeah, so exactly. You know, I didn't I didn't do any nicotine patches or gum or any of that stuff. I just when was I quit that? cold turkey. That was in 1998 the first time. 1998. So, the, I mean, the opportunity to get, like, nicotine patches and anything that could have helped you was there. You just chose not to use it. Yeah, you know, I don't even know um, what was available. I'm pretty sure there was patches at that time. But, yeah, I chose just to go ahead and – actually, I was kind of I was kind of pressured into doing it without that. You know, by the guy I was with was just – he was one of those people who just – it's his way or no way at all. So that's, that's the way I did it. So, it, you know, had it been – had I been thinking for myself, I probably would have done the patch and made it a little bit easier on myself, but I didn't. So. You found the easier, softer way, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, but that's not necessarily true, though. It doesn't have to be that way. What's that? Uh, even when you quit cold turkey, it doesn't have to be um, a bad oh. way. It's just it's the way you think about it. So. Exactly. 
Yeah. And when you, I mean, you were successful at it, right? From what I remember you telling me, you let, you quit like for what it was like for six years? It was um, almost five years that I, I had quit, yeah. Um, and during and yeah. those five years, I mean, were the thoughts there to go back or? No, no, not at all, actually. Um, everything, even though everybody in my house smoked, um, except for me and the guy I was with, um, no, I, I'd never even thought about it. I wanted everybody in the house to quit smoking. And we were away on vacation uh, at one summer, and I guess it was the summer of 2003, I guess it was. And um, for some reason, somebody got a pack of cigarettes. I don't even remember who it was, but my boyfriend at the time smoked. He decided to smoke a cigarette. So I decided, okay, you know what? One's not going to kill me. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> that was it. You know, that's all it took was that one cigarette. And I was right back to smoking again. That was just, you know, a bad decision. Stay, okay, stay, I want to backtrack a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. You had mentioned earlier that when you had your daughter, you were smoking while you were in the hospital. Yes. I remember those days when, yes. I mean, you were allowed to smoke anywhere. Right. And... I mean, I remember going to visit somebody in a hospital. Tell me about that. I mean, what was that like? Um, actually, well, let me let me go a little further back than that. I actually uh, got pregnant at 15, and I was smoking during my pregnancy, and I ended up having a miscarriage. Um, they never said why, but it, it, I don't know if it was smoking-related. You know, I, it very well could have been. When I had my daughter, I was smoking through that pregnancy as well. I didn't learn from the first time. She was born, um, it, I guess it was almost uh, two months early. She weighed just under four pounds. And they said that that was definitely due to, you know, smoking during so the pregnancy. So she was born, born a few months early, mm -hmm. definitely underweight. Yep. And I still smoked right after she was born. So it's like she's the sitting hospital. there in the room with you, you know, you're taking care of her, and you have a cigarette in your hand. Yep. Yeah, well, I tried really hard not to do it with her in my face, but you know what? When you're an addict, you're going to do it, and that's exactly what I did. You know, I didn't have to leave the room to smoke, so I didn't. You know, I stayed right there and smoked my cigarettes. And nobody Family told members me not come to, to visit so you, and everybody's standing around in the room, and everybody's smoking? Uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, just about everybody I knew at the time smoked. It's amazing, her, isn't it? My old family members did. And now, from what I remember, you told me that your daughter, she did smoke, but she quit, right? Um, she started smoking right after I quit the first time. Um, and then she quit while I was quitting the second time, but she is, she is smoking again. Oh, she started again? Yeah, she made it for about a year, and then she started smoking again. Really disappointing, but she's actually been talking to me recently um, about quitting again, so... I'm working on that with her, trying to, you know, tell her she, she's, you know, she's young. She's got, she's got plenty of time to get her lungs back in order. She's got, she's got a lot going for her, so. How old is she? She just turned uh, 22. Same age as my daughter, well, yeah. my stepdaughter. I mean, she just okay. turned 22. I'll never forget that day I caught her smoking. It was like, <laughs> oh, but it was great. It was, I mean, it was classic. You know, she's sitting out, you know, hiding behind our back of our house, and she's out in the alley, and she's smoking one of her cool. You know, climb up on the fence and just, hey, what are you doing? Yep. And <laughs> the cigarettes go flying. It was just hysterical. 
Yeah, yeah, uh, I used to steal my dad's cigarettes. I remember doing that all the time. Oh, we all did. Yeah. Marlboros. I mean, I couldn't steal my father's because, you know, forget about it. He smoked Chesterfield. Yeah, my dad smoked the cheapest ones on the market, so. (laughs) And Lucky Strikes back then. Right. I mean, I just couldn't handle them. I mean, talk about turning green. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I remember um, buying uh, cigarettes in North Carolina that were four dollars a carton, and they were called pyramids. And we bought like seven or eight cartons um, on our way back, and you know, through a period of uh, you know a month or so or whatever, smoked them all. Ended up with chronic bronchitis for about a year. The worst, worst time of my life. And I know it was from those cigarettes. <laughs> it was just, just those particular brand, or just as much as you smoked in that in that period of time? I, I probably a combination of both. I mean, they were really bottom of the barrel cigarettes. They were really really harsh. And the funny thing is, is you know you're walking around coughing and coughing, you can't breathe, and you're still smoking that cigarette. You know, and that's just the way it was. That's what I did. So when you quit for the five years, um, the first time, mm-hmm. how, you, you consider yourself successful at it, right? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah. You know, and then just what drove you back? I think just because everybody else at that time decided to go ahead and do it, and I decided I wanted to to be with them and do the same thing, so I did it. You know, I was I wasn't at a time in my life where I really loved myself or my life. You know, I was in in a fog of of smoke. You know, I just didn't I didn't really care about a whole lot that was going on around me. I was really down on myself, so I didn't care. So, you know, it drove me back to it, and, you know. Went obviously back to your old friends. Uh, Yeah, yeah, you know. exactly. <laughs> and that's what happens. I mean, yeah. you know, that's what we did, and we do. You know, we go yeah. back to our old friends, what we're comfortable with. Yep, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, it is a comfort thing. And what made you decide to take the plunge once again to beat this challenge? Um, I started getting that feeling again where I was uh, starting to get sick, the heavy feeling in my chest. The one thing I absolutely loved when I quit smoking the first time was I had so much energy, and I was losing that energy, and I, I hated that. You know, I was starting to cough all the time again. The, you know, I would catch a cold, and instead of it being gone within three days, it would take weeks. And I, that just didn't work for me. I didn't like that. That and cigarette prices were going higher and higher and higher. So I said, you know what, it's time to quit. So I did and made it two days. <laughs> and I joined the QuitNet forum. And I guess it was, I guess the second day into it, I, I had given my mom a pack of cigarettes of mine to hold and said, just in case. That was a mistake. I said, just hold on to the Well, that was a plan. Ones. That wasn't a mistake. It, exactly. You're right. I planned it ahead of time. I knew. I knew I was going to go back to it. So, yeah. I mean, I gave let me ask you this. On. You know, just, just thinking about that, when you quit the first time, mm-hmm. did you ever, like, find a pack laying around? Or did uh, there you ever was, happen to use the term, I, I hate this term so much, slip? Oh, no. <laughs> no? <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> no, you never did the first no. time. Uh-uh. Just quit, and that was it. That was it. <laughs> okay, so the second time you had your plan, your mom yep. has your cigarettes. Yep. yep. And uh, we were going out um, shopping one day, my daughter and myself and, and my boyfriend at the time, 
and he had started smoking again. So this was my, I think it was my second day that I had quit. Is this the same boyfriend from earlier? Yeah, this was the one I'd been with for, I guess at that point it was almost 13 years we'd been together. Um, he actually had quit for like almost 10 years, and he started smoking again when I did. And uh-huh. do, you, do you recall what drove him back? or? It, it was at the same time. We were both at the beach, and um, I, there was there was these cigarettes on the market at the time. They were um, these really, I can't remember what they were called, some kind of tobacco um, cigar mixed cigarettes. And they had this weird scent flavor to them. And for some reason, he bought a pack of them and just started smoking them. And I have no idea why. He never really said he just started smoking them. And I ended up doing it, too. Yeah, I don't know. So sort of like peer pressure, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody with us, we were there with my whole family, and my whole family smoked. So, yeah, we just, everybody did it. And my daughter was smoking at the time, and, and I, you know, I never got mad at her for smoking. I figured, you know, she saw me doing it all the time. You know, what was I going to say? You know, I couldn't say, you know, you're not supposed to do that. I was doing it. So, you know, it's kind of hypocritical. Funny how that works. Yeah. Okay, so you you basically you had your plan, mm-hmm. and you chose to follow up on it. Yeah, I did. If I'm not I, mistaken. Um, I, I got you, you know that feeling you get when you first quit, where everything's kind of fuzzy and hazy, and you're feeling off balance, and you can't shut your mind off. And that's well, you can, but I decided I couldn't <laughs> shut my mind off to the fact that I really just had to have that cigarette to feel normal, which is abnormal. But that's what I thought it was. So I, you know, went down and asked my mom to give me my cigarettes back. I'm not ready to quit. She gave them back to me, and that was it. I posted on the quit net that that I wasn't ready to quit, and you know very well what happened from there. <laughs> okay, and then you chose a different path. I did. I did. Um, yeah, you, um, you, you pretty much set me on that path. You know, I, I no, was. No, no, uh, no, that's. You did it all by yourself. Uh, well, I did. You're right. I did. I did it by myself. But your words stuck with me when you said that, you know, you you planned it. You're the one that had to take responsibility for it. And you were right. And I wasn't taking responsibility for what I was doing. I was making excuses. So what I decided to do was to make a quit date of the next day. And instead of giving a pack of cigarettes to somebody to hold for me, I threw everything out and I wrote a list of everything that I wanted to live for, everything that I was going to do to keep myself quit, everything that was good in my life, and just the list just went on and on and on. And I just kept writing, and everything just became clear. It was just completely different. It just it was a, it was a totally different quit. When you focus on something that's good, instead of focusing on I can't do it because it's this hard, it's just it's completely different. When you tell yourself it's that hard, it's going to be that hard. Exactly. That's what I was doing. So I decided it wasn't going to be hard, and it wasn't. And what did you? What did your friends, family, what did everybody think about it when you tell them you were going to quit again? Um, I actually didn't tell them. I didn't tell um, my parents that I was going to quit. I just quit. And um, I guess it was probably about two weeks into it before they even noticed that I had hadn't smoked a cigarette. So, and, and, and there was still everybody in my house was still smoking at the time too, and that wasn't even bothering me. You know, it, I could get into a car with everybody smoking, and didn't the thought and never even crossed my mind to pick up a cigarette. It was just a totally because different of mindset. Your mindset. Yeah. Yep. 
it's amazing what you're, you know, it depends on how you look at it. Exactly. But yeah. once you change the way you look at it, everything becomes clear. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing how it works. Yeah. Yeah, when you focus on the good things, good things come to you. So that's, that's exactly what I did. And, now, and let me ask you this. I mean, when your daughter took up that and she started again, what do you think about that? Um, I was upset. You know, I really... I really wanted her to um I really wanted her to stay quit but you know it, it wasn't for me um she needed to do it for herself and I knew it, it when I was that age I was the same way so no matter what I said to her it wasn't going to make a difference she had to decide for herself so I was upset with her we talked about it a lot and you know I I try to give her pep talks into going back to, you know, quitting and all. It, it hasn't worked yet, but, you know, I'm sure it will eventually. Do you bust her chops about it? or? Um, I did. <laughs> I did, but, uh, you know, she was, uh, God, how old? She was, I guess, 17, 18 at the time, something like that, when she started again. It just, you know, it, I, I know it, it just, when you're talking to a teenager about that kind of thing, the more you push, the worse it is. So I just said, okay, you're going to do your own thing right now, and you're going to hit that point where I did, where you're going to realize that, you know, you're going to want to make a change. So, and, and I think she's starting to finally get to that point now. And, and I believe that's one of the, the key points with this whole thing is you got to want it. Yeah. You know, there's so many people out there who basically say, yeah, I want to quit smoking, but, you know, next thing all they're doing is thinking about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and unless it's like you said before, you know, you write things down and you and you go ahead and you know you keep a journal and yeah. you know you keep an idea of where you want to go every day. You know, it's something different, but you gotta you gotta keep your eye on that prize. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think one of the things that helped me out a lot when I was quitting was um, my dad because he was such a huge smoker. Um, I would wake up in the mornings, and since I lived still at home with them. I would just hear him coughing nonstop in the mornings, and he's coughing and smoking, coughing and smoking, and it just, he couldn't breathe, he couldn't talk, but yet he was still smoking, you know, and it just, I knew I did not want to be that person. And your and mom I didn't smoked want my too? daughter to feel that. Your mom smokes too? Uh, she did. She quit. Um, she quit, I guess it was a couple years ago now. Um, she uh, was diagnosed with emphysema as well as my dad, and um, she was in the hospital. She was in there for about a week, almost two weeks, and she said when she got out she was going to smoke, and she didn't. Yeah, she never lit up again. When she got out of the hospital, right? Yeah, she got out of the hospital and she never lit up again. I mean, she's she's no, at the that's point That's what my mother did. Yeah. You know, yeah. My mom, she the first oh geez, two years, two and a half years ago when she went into the hospital because she had, um, she believed she had pneumonia or pleurisy, mm-hmm. and you know go in and she found they found a spot on her lung and you know <laughs> when she came out she quit. Yeah. You know it took that to basically I mean I hounded her for I mean I quit back in 2003 and up until that time I mean I hounded her every time I saw her. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. again, you have to want it rather than have somebody else want it. Yeah. Yeah, I can And that's I something can't. else that we both have, a, you know, we both have that in common. We both lost parents because of it. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't count the number of arguments I got into my parents with about smoking and quitting smoking with both of them having emphysema and, and you know, 
once she quit, she quit. My father didn't. You know, he even though he had emphysema, he'd had heart attacks and strokes, and you know, he had gone in for um, blocked arteries, and he still smoked when he came out. You know, and he knew he knew what it was doing to him, and he just he didn't want to quit. How long ago was he diagnosed with all of this? Uh, he was diagnosed shortly after I quit, so I guess it was in 2000, sometime in 2003. He was diagnosed with emphysema. He, um, I guess just like your mom, he went to the hospital for what um, he thought was pneumonia. And um, I knew, I knew he had, I, I knew both my parents had emphysema before even being diagnosed. You can tell. I mean, you know, the breathing, the sounds and everything. And I asked the doctors to please, you know, do some x-rays and the stuff that they need to do to find out. And uh, he was diagnosed with it. I think he tried to quit when he first came out of the hospital for maybe a week. And he didn't. He didn't last? No. He would, uh, he had his oxygen tanks and he'd, you know, be hooked up to the oxygen and he'd, uh, (laughs) he'd go outside and smoke a cigarette with the oxygen and just, it's unbelievable. <laughs> you know, he went outside the house? Yeah. Or, or was this in the hospital? No, the, when he came home, he was sent home with oxygen tanks and stuff. He was His lungs were really bad at that point. Um, I mean, he should have been diagnosed long before that, but his lungs were really bad. So when he came home, he was sent home with these big oxygen tanks and stuff. So he would. Um, he, he wasn't on it full time at that point. But right. he was at the point where whenever he moved around for more than a few minutes, he had to have the oxygen because he would just c- completely lose all his breath. But it didn't stop him from smoking. Amazing. Yeah, I, I would tell him all the time. You know, He would say, well, it's not going to get better. What's the point? So, yeah, but it doesn't have to get any worse right now. You can have a better quality of life if you stop right now. Exactly. But, you don't have to yeah. suffer from hacking. Right. You know? And that suffocation doesn't have to you know, be there all the time. Unfortunately, what he chose. How are you holding up with that? Because I know the anniversary of his uh, passing just passed. Um, I'm I'm doing the best I can. You know, it's been tough. I think the the toughest thing about all of it was just not knowing that he had lung cancer. You know, until a week before he died, we had no idea. Um, oh, so didn't you didn't know. even know? No, we had no idea. He um, I I he. He went to the doctors. He was at the doctors almost every other week um, to get fluid drained from his lungs. Um, right. And but they the never treatment. knew that he had anything as far no, as lung cancer. No, which was amazing to me because they were testing him constantly, and n- nobody ever said anything. And the last time that he went to the hospital, he called me from his doctor's office and said, I need you to pick me up and take me to the hospital. That The, the nurse says, if I don't go to the hospital now, I'm going to die. So, and that was actually uh, a couple days ago, would have been a year that this had happened. And I, I took him, I went down there, took him to, up to the hospital. Right. His oxygen was so bad, the um, the blood oxygen, they couldn't even find it on the thing. It wouldn't even show up. It was so low. So, you know, he was admitted. And he was there for a couple days before the doctor, um, he told me, not him, that he had um I guess it was small cell uh, lung cancer Carcinoma. stage four. It was yeah, it was it was end stage. Um, yeah. And what he had um, one lung completely eaten away by the emphysema, 
and only half of the second lung left, which is why his oxygen was so bad. And in that one lung was the tumor. So it was, you know, it was. They, they told us that he may have three to six months to live. Um, oh, that's what they told you when he when he came home. He never came home. Never came home. He never came home. Nope. He um, he died a week later in the hospital. I mean, I, you know, when they say that, you know, when they tell you that, I mean, I, when they told me, I, I went outside after my mother came home and she was sitting in my uh, sister's, and we talked uh, to the doctor, and you know, I went outside with them, and you know, I, I knew something was going to happen soon, and, and they're like saying the same thing, you know, three, four months, you know, it took a week, yeah, you know, and it's like you're not prepared for that, no, you know, I, they tell you I three, wasn't. four months, and then all of a sudden, boom, you know, the next five days are hell. I remember sitting in the hospital with my dad. I guess he, he um, I, I knew before he did. They didn't tell him right away. Um, and I asked the doctor not to because the the day that they had told me that he had the cancer, his spirits were up a little bit. His oxygen level was picking up, and he was he was feeling a little bit better. He was actually eating some food, and he was joking around and, you know, seeming to be somewhat of his old self. And I asked the doctor not to tell him yet. And I guess they told him that night because he called me that night from the hospital on the phone um, crying and telling me he wanted me to come up the next day that the doctor said he wasn't going to make it. So, um, and, you know, that's one of the hardest things I've ever had to deal with is sitting there the next day, you know, with a pad and, and paper with him telling me everything he wanted me to take care of after he was gone. That's hard. And, and there was nothing I could do about it. All you could do is be there for him, you know, yep. and I believe that that's it. what a lot of us had told you, you know, because you had mentioned, I mean, you were on quite a few times back then. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's hard, and I, I certainly understand, you know, what you went through. Believe me, it's not uh, easy. I feel for you. Yeah, it's, so, it's But how are you doing own. now? I'm doing okay, you know, and it's uh, it's up and down, you know, I... I I think about my dad a lot, and yeah, of course, I wish he was still here. I'm glad he didn't have to spend years suffering um, with lung cancer and, and withering away like you see so many other people doing. You know, I guess in a way, it's a blessing that it took him so quick. I would love to have had more time with him, but you know, that, that wasn't that, to be. You know, be, we send so. out to a lot of people. You know, you spend as much time as you can because you never know. Exactly. Yeah, and that's you know that's. Besides my love of life now, I, it's one reason why I'll never go back to smoking again because I will not do that to my daughter. There's no way. I, can't, I would never do that to her and have her have to sit there and go through what I went through with him. I agree. I would never do it to my wife. Wouldn't want my kids to have to deal with it. You know, um, I mean, they still might. You know, 26 yeah. years of abuse of everything I did. Right. You yeah, know, you don't know. You never know. But... Um, I'm but we gave ourselves a better chance by quitting now, so, you know. Yes, we did. I'm happy about it anyway. Yeah, I am too, That's yeah. My five years. You got your five years. I've got right? my five years, yep. <laughs> When's your anniversary? Uh, it was um, April 8th. Yep, five years. 2003. Very, very proud of you. Proud of myself. I, I, I had totally forgotten people. about it. <laughs> Excuse me. I had totally forgotten about it that morning, and then uh, you helped I think I got... an awful lot of people. Yeah, well, I, that, 
I'm, I'm glad, you know, if I helped. I was, you know, it was for myself. It helped me a lot, you know, talking and going through the experiences that I went through. You know, I was just, there were so many, so many emotions involved with quitting, you know, the ups and downs. But, you know, you really, really feel the ups after you quit. You know, it's, it's, it's a totally different feeling. You, know, you look at every day as something different, and that's exactly how I see it. You know, it's you know, all, you all new. It's like seeing that because you have to look at the ups. Right. You know, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. there's so many people out there who all they do is focus on the downs. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and, and, and yeah, and that's what you got to get through to people too. Is that you know, those downs are going to be there whether you smoke or not. So you know, why don't you make it better for yourself and just quit? You know, you how do we get it through their heads? <laughs> How do you yeah, do that? It's for some people, it's just not easy to, to break through that wall, but that's all you can do is try. Well, that's why I want to do this uh, this little blog thing here, or podcast, whatever you call it. You know, I, I feel like we can help a lot of people this way, and you know, you know, I'm, there's a lot of lost people at night. Like I said, we're doing this one early. Um, I want to try and do it every week on a Saturday and try and get it done around midnight mm-hmm. and see yeah. what kind of crazy people are out there. <laughs> you know, I fit right in. I feel like. Um, yeah, well, I know when I first quit smoking, I was I was up late every single night. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of other people who are going to who are eventually going to get involved in it and you know need to talk. And that that that's good. You know, that's what I needed to do when I quit. I needed to talk. That you did. I, I talked a lot. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, and like I told you the other day, I mean, you know, talking live is just just another avenue to do instead of typing. Yeah, you know? yeah, it is. And who knows, it'll catch on. Great. If not, nah, at least I can talk to myself. You know. Mhm. Well, yeah. I mean, if it helps you, that's that's really what matters. Well, you know, you're helping yourself. Uh, you know. Bottom line is, you know, I was telling you, you know, this is for all kinds of addicts. You know, I want to do mm-hmm. this. I mean, you know, you got alcoholics, you got drug addicts, you got cigarette addicts. I don't know about the food thing because I'm kind of stuck on that myself. <laughs> you know, I like to eat. You know, yeah, I think we all do. <laughs> so, but um, and I think that everybody needs an opportunity to voice what's on their mind and what's going on in their lives, and you know that's basically what I'm looking to do. We've had a bunch of people on here. I mean, there's like four people on there. I don't know where they went. I don't know why they're not able to talk. Um, I haven't muted anybody, you know. But there's like five other people that have been on here. Um, obviously, nobody wanted to chat or wanted to say anything, because they have the ability to actually, if they join, they can actually, like, uh, text messages. Oh, for questions and stuff? Right, and they'll actually come into my computer, Mm -hmm. and, you know, but nobody's done that. So I guess it's just going to take some time before everybody starts uh, realizing what this thing is for, and, um, you know. Yeah. Well, I pretty much, uh, keep pushing it. It'll get out there. It'll, It'll happen. You know, I'm just going to try and, like I said, once a week, get out here and just try and, you know, voice my opinion. Lord knows I got enough of them. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but, you know, I really do appreciate you taking the time. Um, I think you got a great story. It's going to stay on here for as long as, you know, you don't mind it staying on here. I'll just keep it on. Don't mind at all. And, uh, you know, whenever somebody wants to take a listen to it, they can go ahead and uh, do so. And I'm willing to talk whenever, you know, 
as long as it's not 12 o'clock at night since I, you know, I go to bed so early, but, you know, I'm always willing to talk, so. <laughs> well, if we can get this into a radio show, you never know. Maybe I can create a job for us and uh, yeah. we'll go from there. Yeah. Might make, be able to make some money at it. Yeah. <laughs> but what I'm going to do is let me just uh, stop the recording. I appreciate everybody tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Hold on a second, April.